This is the Trip Center. Welcome back to the Trip Center. The Trip Center is here for wilderness canoe trippers to pick up advice and insight on planning canoe camping trips. It can seem like a lot of preparation, but we can't let the fear of the unknown keep us from getting outdoors. I'm your host, a canoe trip leader, Katie Tozer. Let's get out there. Today's show is our second segment of Knowing Where You're Going, and we're going to introduce Voyagers National Park, just north of the Boundary Waters. Both parks are in Minnesota, with nearby outfitters for gear rental, visitor centers, and rangers to help you out. They share the same glacier-carved green and blue landscape and the same seasons as well, but the two parks are distinct. Voyagers is next door to International Falls, Minnesota, on the border of Canada. The area is a fishing hub primarily, with many lakeside resorts to choose from on either end of your trip. Still, the park makes a conscious effort to highlight its roots in canoe culture. The recorded history we have of the area begins with French-Canadian fur traders called voyagers back in the 17th century. They traded, of course, with different native tribes who had inhabited the lands for millennia. Voyagers traveled in canoes you won't see much anymore, made of birch over 25 feet long. There was a group of six called Pact, Paddle Across Canada Tour, that did complete a 5,000-kilometer trip in one of these 25-foot-long canoes in 2014. They passed through Voyagers National Park on their trip. They retraced the Voyager route from Alberta to Quebec. Most of the canoes we use today are between 15 and 17 feet, much easier to navigate with, but I might not have minded a bigger one on the longest canoe trip I took through Voyagers because the lakes in this park are huge. The land was wild here only informally until the middle of the 20th century, and in the meantime, land on the fringes was developed for commercial uses. Boise Paper Mill, Kettle Falls has a dam, those resorts I mentioned, as well as a few private homes that still line the park. Change came when a man named Ernest Oberholzer stood up to a businessman who proposed a whole series of additional dams that would generate power, but flood and submerge the islands and edges of these lakes. Oberholzer had personal experience that showed him the value of wilderness. He began canoeing these lakes as a kid in 1909, and turned wilderness advocate for the rest of his life, lobbying the government for decades and successfully winning protections and the creation of Voyagers in 1975. 
I'll link to him in the episode notes because he's a really interesting character. He learned to speak Ojibwe and traveled solo. Today there is a hiking trail named after Oberholzer. Voyager's Park is over 200,000 acres and it has about 200 campsites. Four of those campsites are wheelchair accessible. The park does see 50,000 overnight backcountry campers, so that's a fifth of the overnight campers that the Boundary Water sees. But there are 200,000 total visitors at the park, so you can see that people are coming and staying at those resorts, coming just to visit the visitor center, which has history as well as some outdoor education for kids and adults as well. The season is the same as the Boundary Waters, May through September, and the fees are similar as well. $10 booking fee, and then between $16 to $20 per person per night. There are also pickup and drop-off services outside the Voyager's Park. There are four entry points, that's fewer than the Boundary Waters, Cars can be left at these points, and there's an airport that's in International Falls. It'll be expensive to fly to such a small airport, but you could also fly to the Minneapolis-St. Paul Airport and drive from there. It's about a six-hour drive through Minnesota from Minneapolis to International Falls. I should mention it's about three from Minneapolis to the Boundary Waters. There is also a small airport in Eli, Minnesota, if you're going to the BWCA. Since a lot of the area on the lakes is shared with commercial and private permanent establishments, the water is less clean in Voyagers in many of the lakes than you'll find in Boundary Waters. There can be motorboats in some of the park's largest lakes. So, for example, in Rainy Lake, you'll definitely see fishing boats, people water skiing, and using it actually as a highway. A lot of people have motorboats in their backyards the way the rest of us might have cars in our garages. I led a trip in Voyagers in 2012 and park staff advised us to change our route because we had planned to go through two lakes where they'd been tested positive for some toxins. Uh, Part of that was just an invasive algae, but part of that, you have to wonder, might be motorboat residue. We're going to talk about water safety another time, so don't worry about it right now. There are solutions for this. One of the values of going to a wilderness area with park staff is this knowledge. So we changed our route and it was a happy story. Lao Tzu, the Chinese philosopher, once said a good traveler has no fixed plans and is not intent on arriving. So let's take that to heart out there. You buy your map, pick your put in, and if your route changes from there on out, so what? Within Voyagers, there are a couple other curiosities I'd like to mention. There's a place called Kettle Falls, which is this big, white-sided building that's been there for about a hundred years. It's an inn, and there's still a shop and restaurant within there, which can be such a nice break. 
It's the only place to lodge that's actually within Voyagers National Park, and it is the site of that dam. It's time for our break segment. Today we'll be doing a look back. Why is this park named Voyagers, and what did a Voyager do? Voyagers were men on contract with companies, mainly the Hudson Bay Company and the Northwest Company, who carried furs and traded goods back and forth from trading posts. A day in the life of one of these men would go something like this. Voyagers, typically French-Canadian men, would be woken up at dawn by the cook or leader um, banging pots and pans. They would be waking up underneath canoes or just out in the open on beds of moss. Uh, that's where they would sleep. And they would wear typically a white cotton shirt or a light-colored cotton top to protect them from the sun. And a red sash. That was Voyager style. In the morning, they would get right into the boats with all their packs, paddle about three hours, and then eat a breakfast of biscuits, dried meat, and beans. That's the meal they would have twice a day, um, but they'd add in fresh fish if they could get it. In their 25-foot canoes, you would have six voyagers. Their seats would be assigned by contract. In the back, you would have the person steering. The back should be a little bit higher up, and they'd be calling out instructions to the rest of the crew. Up in the front is also your lead man, so if there are any obstacles in the way, especially going down rapids, that role is important for calling back to the steering. The voyagers were known to have paddled at about 45 strokes per minute, which is six and a half miles per hour. I'll note here that my teams have averaged about three to four miles per hour on a given day. The voyagers would stop about once an hour and smoke tobacco or just take a rest before continuing on. When they arrived at an obstacle, maybe a rapids is too dangerous to run, a waterfall, or to cross in between lakes, they would need to portage. At the portage, they would take out up to 65 packs, weighing about 90 pounds each, which is the weight of a big 10-year-old or possibly a double-zero fashion model. And each man would carry two of these at a time down the portage until everything was across. That's at least five trips per person. And don't forget the canoe. Those 25-foot birch canoes could weigh about 300 pounds, so that would be carried by all the men together. They'd get underneath it and cross the path. Back on the water, they'd continue to paddle until sunset. They were known to sing in the canoes. It helped them keep time and keep their rhythm in sync. Um, 
it's also really entertaining. You can find CDs of Voyager songs or go to the Voyager's National Park Visitor Center to hear some complimentary. Once the sun sets, they would be pulling their gear on shore, cooking dinner, and making biscuits for tomorrow morning as well. Then they sleep until the pans bang. Thanks for listening to this look back. Now we're going to look forward. Next time on the Trip Center, we're going to go to the Quetico and wrap up everything you need to consider when you're beginning to plan where your next canoe trip will be going. Remember to subscribe to the Trip Center on iTunes and leave us comments at thetripcenter.wordpress.com. Thanks for listening and take care out there.